To be a Christian means you're bringing all things like in your life, including work, into, into sync as is revealed in the scriptures, right? So the question I've asked many times in this community, right, I've said, what is the difference between a giraffe giving glory to God and a human? And some of you guys, maybe you haven't heard me ask that. I'll ask, I'll say, well, how does a rock give glory to God? How does a giraffe give glory to God? Well, I propose to you, a giraffe gives glory to God by being a giraffe, right? If a giraffe tried to be a seal, I propose at that point it's not going to be giving God glory because God did not make the giraffe a seal. You understand? He made a giraffe a giraffe. Now, the interesting thing about, I, I bring that up because the, the interesting thing is that a, dra- a giraffe doesn't have uh, the, the imago day that God has given us to decide, Jesus, I don't want to be a giraffe anymore. I'm going to act like a cat. Right? You, know, when you, ever, see, you ever see that? Do you see it in Africa? All of a sudden, an elephant get mad. Elephant start kind of trying to be a baboon. <laughs> Tired of this, Jesus. Elephant stuff. Big old trunk. Right? <laughs> doesn't happen. Because they, right? But the, one of the main ways that we glorify God as people, and I don't, don't miss this because I'm trying to help us understand like, this, this theology of work here, is that, is that we glorify God because with intelligent volition, we can actually choose to exalt Christ or not. You see, the di- that's a huge difference. A rock is a rock, and it glorifies God by being a rock. The moon stays and is the moon, and that glorifies God. We, though, God has said, I'm going to make you in my image. And in doing so, you get to say, I want to exalt you, or I'm not going to exalt you. Okay? Now, Genesis reads, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 and 28, stay with me here. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created male, him, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish and over the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So, so guess what? So God, what he does, uh, he creates, he creates, and then he creates us in his image. And what he does, he gives us that, that's called the, the creative mandate, right? I don't know if you guys know that. The creative mandate is that God has now made us like him, and what he's done is he's created out of nothing, right? And then he creates out of nothing, and everything he creates, then he pauses and takes a rest and says, now what I want you to do is I want you to take everything I create, and I want you to operate and use it the way I would use it, and I want you to, to, to control it and, and lead it the way I would lead it. So as it were, it's almost like when you start a business, you get it going, and you get workers, and you say, now, everything I probably would do if I didn't have, if it wasn't a successful business, I would probably be doing everything. But now that I've hired people, they are going to be doing everything that I do, and I'm going to come back and chill. All right, bad analogy, because God is always doing his thing, but good analogy in the sense that what, is do, what he's doing there is he's giving humans an opportunity to retell his story of being a creator. Do you see that? Okay, so, so stay with me here. So what happens, in, when you talk about the theology of work, so, so God has made us to, to, to exercise a subordinate relation, a lordship. So he's the lord. He has lordship. We have, as it were, a subordinate lordship, right? We get to be, we get to be lord, as it were, over the world and over his creation, okay? But when we do that, we get to do it, and we get to shape things and create for good purposes, not for evil. That's how you exalt them or not, Right? So you get to shape it for good purposes. We get to retell his story. Now, Genesis 2, verse 2 and 3 says, 
Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished the work he had done, right? And so what I'm saying there is that now he says, hey, I'm done. I'm going to have you basically take over what I was doing. Now, now here's the the issue. Genesis 3 says that you and I, that we fall into sin, okay? And because of our sin, all of a sudden, let let me get this right here, Christian ethics. Because of our sin, what now God has given us to create and make for his lordship, for, to honor him, now we can make for good and bad purposes, okay? And so whenever you and I, so the first one, whenever you and I decide to say, hey, I'm going to create, I'm going to work, I'm going to do things, right, that's going to be for good purposes, we exalt God. So I'm proposing first, we glorify God with our work, Okay? Also, like the way we are able to, why we work is because of provision. So it glorifies God. Whenever we're doing stuff because God has given us this world to kind of be lords over, when we are working, when we are creating, when we are doing those things, we can honor God. But that's where Christian Christian ethics come into play, by the way. Christian ethics, right? Because you can do some things and not honor God. And so that's where you you can have a conversation. Should you own a bar? You know? I mean, there's a conversation about that, right? I mean, that's Christian ethics, right? Is that, is, is, are, are you going to, are that, is that going to provide good purposes or not? Right? Should you own a casino? These are, these are the conversations that, the, that, that, that happens in the theological square. Right? I'm not giving you an answer now. I want you to argue about it. But what I'm saying is, we, is, is that when you have a healthy theology of work, you got to ask yourself, right? When we had my man who's a doctor, he had to uh, answer a question of will he abort a baby as a doctor in his work? Right? So you got to ask those questions now. When you have, when you have a, a certain understanding of the theology of work. Okay, so it glorifies God. Work glorifies God. Um, and that's why the, script, the scripture says in Ecclesiastes 5.12, Sweet is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats a little or much, but the surfeit uh, of the rich will not let him sleep. That basically whether you're getting a lot or a little from work is, is irrelevant. That God wants you to see that you get an opportunity to be a creator like the Lord when you work. And so... And just like John Piper said, he always says, employment, unemployment is not the first, is not the economic, is not first an economic problem, right? As John Piper says, it's not, it's not first an economic problem, it's a theological problem, right? And the reason why it's a theological problem, because you're created when you work to image God, that when you're working, you get the chance to image God. And so when you don't get that, when you don't see that, oh, whatever I'm doing as an artist, as an accountant, or whatever, these are opportunities for me to be useful and joyful and allow God's purposes and good things to happen out of work. And when we're not doing that, we're experiencing extensive idleness. What happens is you actually begin to be in sin. I'm proposing, unless, if, unless you lack the ability to work. But if you, if you have the ability to work and you don't, I'm proposing you're missing some of the creative mandate that God has placed before us. Also provision. Chapter 3, verse 17 of Genesis says, And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I have commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Curses the ground because of you, and pain shall eat of it. Uh, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, and for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Now don't miss this. So, you know what was imposed because of the fall, family? What was imposed because of the fall 
was not sustenance. A lot of times we think the reason why we work is for sustenance. No. Um, God, as it were, God was our sustenance. Or like before the fall, you did not work for sustenance. You understand? Like it wasn't because you needed, to, you needed it to live because God was the sustenance. You understand that? So what was affected before the fall was not sustenance, as it were. If you, when you look at the text, what was affected was, was a sense of self-reliance. Right, what God does is that before the fall, man and Adam, Adam and Eve, and I don't know what they did with their free time, but they had some time to do something. And because theology of work was implemented, I wondered if they had an opportunity just to create and do whatever and be free because they were already fed all the time and they had gear, right? They had clothes, right? Well, they were naked, but they didn't know they were naked, so they had clothes, all right? <laughs> so, it was a spiritual praise God. He clothed them because he was like, I ain't gonna let you know you're naked, okay? So, so, so now think about that. Those are two biggies for us, right? Clothing yourself and having food. And what happens is that because of the fall, what, begins, what happens is that God says, oh, so you want it to be self-reliant. So what I'm going to do because of the fall is you're going to still, you're going to still work because that exalts me. But now the, your, your work is going to be burdensome. It's going to be, it's going to have anxiety because guess what? Before you worked not to sustain yourself, but now if you don't work, you die. You see the difference? He's like, now you, you want to be self-reliant. Okay. That's, that's work. So now what, what, what's changed is the sense of, oh my goodness, like I need it. I have the burden of what's going to happen if I don't work, right? I'm going to be homeless. I'm going to starve, right? That's the issue now. So when we chose to be self-reliant and rejected God's fatherly guidance and his provision, what God subjected to them was the very thing that they were climbing up for, that is self-reliance. So the curse is that in our work, we struggle with weariness and frustrations, guys. You understand that, guys? So I bring all that up to say, like when you think of the theology of work, we, we work because provision is part of now that journey. We got to actually provide for ourselves. And then finally, so first, it glorifies God. Genesis 3 shows that we provide for ourselves now, which before, we didn't have to do that. Uh, and finally, it's a, it's a work of love. This isn't in this passage here, family, but I just wanted to bring it up because it is part of the theology of work. And that is, uh, we, uh, is that work is a way of love, that we get a chance to provide for others. Ephesians, uh, very favorite verse of mine, uh, verse 28 of chapter 4 of Ephesians says, uh, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands. This is deep to me. The thief is no longer to do work with his own hands, I mean, uh, to steal anymore, but he does work with his own, own hands. And it's interesting, he says, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. He didn't say so that now you can provide for yourself. I just think that's so interesting. He said, quit stealing so you can serve others. Well, you forgot about me. Shouldn't it be quit stealing so then you have food and stuff, and then when you're balling, you can serve others. I would think he'd say, hey, when you got enough stuff, you can serve. He's in, he went right to quit stealing so that you can help others in need. Right? So, so I propose to you we, the, the, that God is exalted when we work because it glorifies God because of the creative mandate. It allows us to provide for ourselves, and it allows us to serve other people. Your stuff isn't ultimately for you. The purpose, and then we're going to go home, family. Why all this? Why verse, why verse 10 and 11? Look what he says here. 
A lot of argument and scholarship. Is it eschatological confusion? That means the study of last things. Are they kind of like, is Jesus coming back? I propose, I think there's a little of that. I think they're kind of like, I think Jesus is coming back. That's what they said. That's what Paul said. So we're going to kind of be kind of lackadaisical and chill in this. I think there's some of that. You know, uh, uh, in a nutshell, Work is an interesting topic in the first century because Jews, again, they understand this divine, divine command that we already talked about because they were very astute theologically. So work was a good thing for Jews. But for Greeks, work was like slavery. They were like, no, we, we try to be wealthy so we can kind of think of good things and kind of hang out and let people work, right? So, but what's interesting is it seems in the passage that whether you were here or there, work, when you saw it done well, shared the gospel, it was, a witness. it was a witness. It was a witness. And so it seems like it says the reason for our brotherly love, verse 10 and 11, and our godly conduct is for godly witness. Don't miss that, family. You got verse 10 and 11. He gives us verse 12. He's saying, hey, that all this mutual love, when people, when unbelievers see that, it brings people to an understanding or a desire to want to hear the gospel. And I always say this, notice throughout 1 Thessalonians, and we're going we're to go home. Notice that throughout 1 Thessalonians, he talks about the believer and the unbeliever. And he always gives precedence to the believer first. I always want to make that very clear to the family of God. There is a priority theologically that the family of God is important, just like your own family. You don't go feeding two or three other kids in the neighborhood while you're starving. No one in here does that. Right? Guess what? That is not a lack of importance. People hear that. They think, so are you saying you don't want to care about those outside the community? That's, not, that's absolutely not what he's saying. He's providing a sense of priority. He's not saying that they're not important. He is saying that the family of God are primary. I want us to understand that. You, you and I got to have a deep theology of this. The family of God matters first. Please, people, understand that. The people of God matter first. And then when we are, as we are healthy, we can minister to the world. The gospel is good news. And, and people should see it as attractive, family. And that our work, when you do work, good work, it, 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 builds, it builds bridges to the gospel. To, when I, the, the, the woodworkers that I told you came to our house, it was really humbling. He knew the friend that um, referred me to him. You guys know him, so I'm going to leave name. Uh, the, the, the guy that referred me is a golly dude. Uh, actually, Steve Cato, he's a, he's a golly dude. Referred me Adam, who's an awesome dude. We were so excited to see him. But he was telling me how there was another Christian guy who, uh, was, who uh, was ministering to those guys back in the day. Because I was asking, are you a Christian? Like, where are you spiritually? I was trying to share the gospel. He's like, well, man, you know, I'm not really into religion at this point. I grew up Catholic. But, man, what happened was, you know, I was, I was working with this one guy, not Steve, but another guy who was a pastor. And, man, then he started, like, you know, uh, saying that he was selling weed in Jesus' name. And that he was, and he named three other things that he was doing, you know. And, and what he saw was, like, he was just like, man, I just didn't get it. I saw him talking about religion, but then I'm watching these other three things that he was doing, and I'm thinking, what? And I just, it just broke my heart. And I said, man, I'm sorry, man, that that was your testimony. I'm sorry, man, you know. And he's like, so what you do? I'm like. <laughs> I told him. So, um, but it makes me sad. Because then that paradigm just falls right on me. Oh, you like that dude. You know. But our work matters. 
And I saw this when I was in college. I, you know, they tell you never give an example of yourself. I just couldn't think of another example. So I'm not trying to exalt myself, but I saw this. I want to testify to God's grace here. When I was in marketing, uh, when I was at, in undergrad, I was always blown away with in Christian. Well, when I was in college, a lot of times the Christians would be like on fire for Jesus, and they would, in the name of Jesus, like yeah, we I didn't go to class today because I was spending all night in prayer, and I was and I was doing all this stuff for Jesus. And I man, I I didn't do this thing because I mean I wanted to go into this, uh, you know, this this person needed Jesus, so I stayed there and I, I ministered to him in the name of Jesus. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. But then I realized, practically, I never forget, my marketing professor, I used to hand out candy in class, that's a whole other story, but, um, <laughs> but my marketing professor was like, hey, Eric, um, can you do me a favor? Can you, can you get up and tell the class why you hand out candy? I'm in college. And so I get up and I share the gospel in front of the class. And the professor is sitting there just like this. I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm saying to them, like, like my past of drug dealing, and now I got saved, and now God is doing it in my life, and I'm still wondering, should I go into business or should I go into ministry? Because I don't know, because at that point I was still trying to figure it out. And the whole class was like, listening. Now here's, this is my hunch. I didn't ask anybody, but my hunch is one of the main reasons why they were listening, because I had probably the highest score in the class. I'm proposing, it was like, this ain't some Christian dude who's sitting in the back, don't really care, can't wait to go out and minister. Right? But they saw me in the front of the class, want to learn marketing, serious about asking questions, doing my thing, when they were doing projects, trying to blow them out the water. And so they saw a testimony of like, this ain't some crazy dude who's kind of leaning on Jesus. This dude, I, I, you know, I'm trying to be in his study group. You see what I'm saying? And I'm proposing to you, I wonder, and same with, you know, JD. It's not to exalt anybody, but, you know, when you're doing a debate thing and you're doing well in school, people see that. Now when I tell you about Jesus, you're like, oh, okay, well, I know that you, I see your work, I see your ethics, I see you serious. What do you got to say about Christ? I see you, you, you work harder than me, so you're not, a, you're not a slouch. You see what I'm saying, family? When they see you a PT person, when they see you doing your work, they watch you. People are watching you. And that's what the scriptures are telling us. Please don't, don't make light of that, guys. Don't make light of the intentionality that people are watching you. And guess what? This is a clear mandate that we should celebrate Christ and culture. God is, this is clear. God is like, I don't want you just going being good Christian and coming over here and huddling. You're doing that so the world can see you, so you can have an answer for the hope that's within you. Right? That's, that's, it's a beautiful passage where he's drawing us to that. So the application is simply this. You know what? I, I realized I was like, man, okay. He's telling us, love God, love God, love God more, love God more. Man, love other people more, love other people more, love other people more, love other people more. You know, and I'm thinking, oh, so he wants us to kind of forget ourselves, live a life to God. Did that sound like something in the, in the Gospels? The greatest commandment? <laughs> right? See it? Can you put it up, please? Look what he says in the scriptures. And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and with all your mind. This is all of who you are. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Be encouraged, family. If you want to pra- practically do this one, one, in one way, we're about to go out and tell people about Jesus and learn about the hopes of our community. Come out with us. We'd love to have you help us get information. We're going to do that right after service. Um, let me pray for us. We're going to have a time of tithing and offering, a time of communion.